Welcome to the Brave Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us. Wherever you're listening from, we hope you're encouraged and inspired by today's message. Well, we are beginning a new series today called Citizens, and over the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about the book of Ephesians. We've called it Citizens because the whole book of Ephesians is really about our position as a church in Christ and our activity in Christ. In fact, let me say it like this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse uh, chapter 1 through chapter 3 is all about our position as believers in Christ. Chapter 4 through 6 is all about our activity. I'm so thankful that the writer of Ephesians says this, we have a position in Christ, but we all have a plan and a purpose in Christ. Is there anybody here that's thankful today that God's got a purpose for your life? Come on, that you're not an accident? You're not a mishap. And so um, the Bible is divided into 66 books, 44 authors. One of the most prominent is Paul. Paul writes to us the, the, the book of Ephesians in a prison in Rome. Let me show you where he's at. Um, he is in Rome. He's in a prison. Hashtag orange is the new black. And he's writing all the way from Rome in prison to the church in Ephesus. So that's where Ephesus is. I thought if we're going to study the book, I just need to show you where it was at. So Ephesus is like where, where Turkey is and Athens and Corinth and like Greece, all the places you want a vacation and you see people post up. And it's, it's right in that area of the world. And so Paul is in prison in Rome and he's writing the book of Ephesus to a church in Ephesus. And he calls it Ephesians. He gives it the name Ephesians and he's writing it. It's like he's writing it to a church in Miami, like Brave Church. And Paul just loves the church in Ephesus. He loves them so much. In fact, in Acts chapter 18, it talks about that Paul spent two years in Ephesus with the people there, which really shows me that in two years, you could fall in love with a community of faith in a church where Paul's like, man, Ephesus, those are my besties. Those are my people. I love the people in Ephesus. I'm going to write a book and name it after them, which tells me this, that Brave Church can be a place of community for you. Come on. I believe that you can find your best friends here. I believe that you can find the best encouragers here. I believe that you can find people that are going to walk with you through any time in your life. That's why we have these things called dinner parties. Somebody say dinner parties. We are not a church that just has small groups. We are a church of small groups. So we meet in small groups called dinner parties. This is a dinner party week. I want to invite every person here, get in a dinner party this week. Because we meet in dinner parties and we like break bread, which means we pig out and we have great food. We drink coffee. But really, Sunday is just a celebration of what's happening in our dinner parties in the week. And so I love it. We have people that sit in their dinner parties. They sit together as their dinner parties all throughout the day today because they're just doing community together. And Paul says this, I love that kind of community. That's the kind of church I want in Miami. Come on. He wants us to know each other. And so he says this, I'm going to show you your position, but then I'm going to show you your activity. In other words... Paul in Ephesians says this, I'm going to show you who you are and what you're called to do. In Ephesians chapter 1, come on, are you with me? Say yes. Yes. Um, If you would take your notes out, come on, grab your notes. They're in your brave guide. 
If you didn't see it, you may have sat on it. It was on your seat when you came in. Your notes look like this. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7. I'm going to read some scripture, and then we're going to pray. And then we're going to jump up into chapter 1. Here we go. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7 says this. Because of the sacrifice of the Messiah, which is Jesus, his blood was poured out on the altar of the cross. Can I just stop for a moment and ask, is there anybody that is here today that is thankful for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ? Come on. He says, because of Jesus, we are a free people. Come on. Free of penalty, free of punishment, free of all of the stuff, of all of your failures in your past. Is anybody thankful for that kind of freedom? I love it. He says, and not just barely free, but we are abundantly free. Jesus thought of everything. And he has provided for everything you could possibly need. He's letting us in on the plans, though. Watch this. And he takes so much delight in making it and setting it all out before us in Christ. He says this, did you know that God has a long-term strategy for your life? And it's all being brought together and summed up in Jesus. Everything in deepest heaven, everything on planet earth is all centered in Christ is what he's saying. It's in Christ, and it's in Him that we find out who we are and what we're living for. And that's a good statement right there. I'm going to talk about it in a minute. Long before we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, He had His eyes on us. He had designed on us His glorious living. Part of the overall purpose, He is working out in everything and anyone. It's in Christ that you, turn to your neighbor and say, He's talking to you. Come on, it's in Christ that you once heard the truth and you believe that you found yourself home free signed sealed delivered by the holy spirit it's in the bible i just had to read it the way it was written come on somebody you know? this is like from god it's our first installment on what's coming in other words god put a deposit down on your life and he gave us the holy spirit and he said the holy spirit is just a deposit of the greatest thing that's about to come for you it's a reminder that we'll get everything God has planned for us. A praising and glorious life. Verse number 15, jump down. That's why when I heard of the solid trust you have in the Master Jesus and your outpouring love to all the followers of Jesus, I couldn't stop thanking God for you. Every time I prayed, I would think of you and give thanks. But I do more than thank. I ask God, the Master Jesus Christ, the glory of God, to make you intelligent. Aren't you so thankful that somebody's praying that you would be intelligent? Some of you aren't thankful for that. And you should really be asking God for more of it. In discerning and knowing Him personally, your eyes focus and clear so that you can see exactly what He's calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of His glorious way of life. Oh, the utter extravagance of His work in us who trust Him. Endless energy and boundless strength. All of this energy issues from Christ. God raised Him from the dead and set Him on a throne deep in heaven in charge of running the universe. God rules everything from the galaxies to the governments. No name and no power is exempt from His rule. And not just from the beginning, but also forever. He is in charge of it all. God has the final word on everything and He is at the center of all this. And at the center of all this is Christ. And Christ rules the church. The church, don't you see, is not peripheral to the world, but the world is peripheral to the church. You know what that basically means is this, is that the church should not be trying to stay relevant to the world, but the church should be so powerful, so relevant, that the world wants to try to catch up to what the church is up to. I love this. What Paul is saying is, Ephesus, don't you understand that the world should be so after what you have? 
Did you know the church should be contagious? Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the church is Christ's body in which he speaks and acts and by which he feels everything with his presence. Today I want to preach this first installment in Citizens as we look at Ephesians, the book in the New Testament. I believe that God's just going to transform our lives today. Come on, can we pray? Pray this morning. Jesus, we love you. We thank you so much for your presence. God, I thank you that you have given us Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and we thank you that without you, we are nothing. We thank you so much for the sacrifice to you with the blood that was shed on Calvary. Jesus, we love you. We are committed to you. We realize we are nothing without you and we give you praise. And Jesus, we just ask one more time that you would send some cooler weather to South Florida. All we're asking for is some 80s, just the 80s, not even the 70s. Drive the humidity from South Florida because you can do all things in Jesus' name. Come on. Somebody wants that prayer. Say amen. Come on, let's give God a shout of praise one more time. Today I want to I want to preach a message to you entitled How to Stand. I want to teach you how to stand. And, and, and when I think about how to stand, I, I think about my two kids. I, I have two kids. Natalia is the oldest and Britain is the youngest. And I remember when we were teaching them how to stand. And I remember uh, Natalia when she was born. She was born two years before Britain. And and, and she learned how to crawl and stand and walk and run so much faster than Britain did. Britain kind of took his time. It took him a long time to, to learn how to crawl. And then we would teach him how to stand. And I remember he would stand up at the, at the edge of the coffee table. And have you ever seen little babies when they're first learning how to stand and their little knees start shaking? You know what I mean? Yeah. Come on, how many of you seen like the little baby chubby knees? You know what I'm saying? Hashtag chubby knees. And, and they, they had, they had chubby and, and Britain's like trying to stand. He's like all nervous. And then, and then once they learn how to stand, then they go, they, they learn how to walk. And then once they learn how to walk, how many of you know, like they just run everywhere. And then you got to put up. Ever seen like the parents that they got leashes on their kids at the mall and stuff? Like their kids are on a leash. I don't know if that's you. I mean, I don't feel bad. But I look at that. I'm like, my Lord, your kid's a pet. You know what's going on? And, and, and so, and so Britain is learning how, how to walk and and, and, and Paul, in Ephesians chapter 1, the whole focus of chapter 1 is that Paul is trying to teach us how to stand. But not just stand, he's trying to teach us our position. This is so important because when Britain finally learned how to walk and he learned how to stand, he wanted a position that Natalia already owned. Like, Natalia had already positioned herself in the best seat in front of the TV. Come on, any parents know what I'm talking about? And, like, she already had the place around the table she wanted to sit, and she already knew how to call shotgun to get the front seat, and Britain didn't. But now that Britain knows how to stand and he knows how to walk, now he's trying to find his position in the family, and his position he wanted was where his sister was. Come on, how many of you know now there's conflict? Because he wants her seat. And so now Natalia's like, Daddy, I've been sitting there first. Tell Britain that's my seat. And now Britain is trying to find his position. Can I tell you, Paul wants us to learn how to stand because he's trying to prepare us for Ephesians chapter 6. I can't get too far into Ephesians chapter 6 because we're going to get there in five weeks. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, don't miss. Amen. Ephesians chapter 6, Paul tells us that you and I are in a war. I don't know if you know this or not, but you're in a war. 
You're in a war for your family? Come on, moms, let me tell you something. Mothers, do not neglect how powerful your prayers are. The prayers of a mom in this room are so powerful. Moms, let me tell you, you can change the trajectory of your entire family through the lips and the prayers that come from your lips. Don't you ever for a minute, just because you may, I'm just a woman. No, 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 no. Women, let me tell you something. There is power in a praying woman. Mama, I want to encourage you. You begin to pray for your kids. You begin to pray for your grandkids you begin to pray for your marriage and your husband there is power and so Paul says look there's a war there's a war going there's a war for your family there's a war for your business there's a war for your sanity come on somebody there is a war for your purity there is a war for all the good things that God wants for you you have an enemy who hates you and he wants to take everything good that's for you out of your life so Paul in Ephesians prepares us for war in chapter 6 But Paul says this, before I can teach you how to go to war, I've got to teach you how to walk. But before I can teach you to walk, just like I did with my kids, I've got to teach you where to stand. And where you are to stand, Paul says, is you need to learn as a believer that you have a position and your position is in Christ. All of chapter 1 can be summarized in this phrase, that you have a position in Christ. And if you learn to stand in Christ, you are unshakable, you are unmovable, you're not destructed, you cannot be destroyed, you're indestructible, you cannot be shaken, and you cannot be moved. But you've got to learn how to stand so that you can learn how to walk. And Paul says, once you learn how to walk, we're going to get to Ephesians chapter 6, and I'm going to teach you how to go to war. And that's why the first point I have for you is simply this. If you have your notes, would you take them out? Paul goes on in chapter 1 to tell us this, that God has been planning to lavish your life forever. Like once you have learned to plant yourself and position yourself to stand in Christ you will begin to see how much God wants to lavish blessings on your life. What does it mean to stand in Christ? Let me kind of explain that. What that means is this, is that you put Jesus as the center of your life. Your confidence is in Christ. Your hope is in Christ. Your peace is in Christ. When you have your position in God, nothing else matters because you are positioned with Jesus. And Paul says this, if your life looks like that, then you're going to understand and realize that I want to lavish your life with blessings. I want to lavish your life forever. In other words, here's what that means. All of us have problems. How many of you ever had a problem before? Let me see your hand. Did you know that your problems did not take Jesus by surprise? Did you know that God is not a firefighter? He is not in heaven trying to put out the fires of your crisis. Did you know that God is not shocked and surprised about what's happening? He may not like it. He may be heartbroken like you're heartbroken, but he's not surprised by it, which tells us this. Paul says everything that has happened in your life is part of God's strategy to get you closer to him. So there are good things that will happen to you, and those good things and those blessings are to help you get closer to God. Some of us are here today, and you're going through some very tumultuous, hard situations. Can I tell you, if you're positioned in Christ, even those difficult things will help you to get closer to God. God's got a strategy for your life. He's been planning on blessing you and spoiling you. That is what God looks like when you are planted and you're standing in Christ. Which tells us this, that... That God's not trying to figure out how to, he's like, man, I'm not, 
confused about how to get you out of your addiction. God has a strategy to get you out of your addiction. I'm not confused about how to get you out of your sorrow. I have a strategy to help you out of your sorrow. In fact, Paul tells us that God has gifts for your life when you're planted in Jesus Christ. When you know where you stand and you're standing in Jesus, he's got gifts for you. What kind of gifts does God have for me? Gifts that look like freedom. Gifts that look like purpose and calling. Come on. Gifts that look like forgiveness. What do I do with the gift of freedom? I suggest that you live a free life. Come on. What do I do with forgiveness? I suggest that you receive forgiveness and you give forgiveness. Paul says this, that when you are standing in Christ, you are positioned to receive the blessings of God. Did you know that God doesn't have favorites when it comes to people? But God blesses people that make their life blessable. It's kind of like, it's hard for me to bless my kids when they're at school. But when they're in my presence, I can bless them. Because I can want to buy them ice cream, but I can buy a round of ice creams for all of us. And they're just going to sit there and melt if my kids aren't in my presence. But when my kids position themselves with daddy. And they say, dad, can I get some ice cream? The answer is always yes. We're going to have ice cream. And guess what? I want to spoil them and lavish them with gifts when they position themselves in my presence. Can I tell you, your God is the same way. The reason why you may not feel blessed today is because it could be that you're not positioned and standing in Christ. Come on, are you with me? Say yeah. You see, Paul goes on to say that if you are in Christ then you understand that Jesus has already lavished your life with the greatest gift, which is salvation. Is there anybody here today that you are so thankful that Jesus paid the ultimate price for your sin, that he forgave? Come on, is there anybody here today at the 12 o'clock service that would say, thank you, Jesus, for forgiveness? In fact, Paul continues with verse number 11. Look what he goes on to say in verse 11. He says, it's in Christ that we find out who we are, and what we're living for. Write this down in your notes. My second point for you is this. When you're planted, when you're standing in Christ, I know who I am, and I know what I'm living for. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. Come on, this should be a mantra for your life. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. This should be a screensaver. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. Come on, this should be on your refrigerator. I know who I am. I know what I'm living. Come on, say it with me. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. Come on, say it again. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. You know what Paul is saying in Ephesians chapter 1? He's using this, this phrase and what he's saying, it's another word called identity. He says this, when you know who you are and you know what you're living for, you don't have identity issues. Which means this, you're not easily distracted from your purpose and the reason why God called you here. You might want to write this down in your notes. I got another way of saying it. When you know who you are, you also know who you're not. That's why people can label you and you can say, no, I'm not. Your boss can tell you something. You say, no, I'm not. They could have called you a loser as a child, but you're like, no, I'm not. 
They can tell you you're not smart enough and you can say, yes, I am. They can tell you you're not qualified financially and you say, but I'm about to because I know who I am and I know what I'm living for. It doesn't matter what label you want to put on me. I know who I am. I am not an alcoholic. I am a son of God. I am not an addiction person. I am a child of God. I live in freedom. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. You better not mess with my identity because I know who I am. But when I know who I am, I also know who I'm not. I'm not ashamed. I'm not full of fear. I'm not full of doubt. I don't have oppression. I'm in my mind, right mind. Listen, when you know who you are, you know who you're not. But it tells me this. uh, Like You might want to write this down in your notes as well. When you know what you're living for, you also know what you're not living for. I'm not living just to build my bank account. I've got a bigger purpose. I'm not living just to climb the corporate ladder. That's great. Do that. But that's not what I'm all about. I know who I am. I know what I'm living for. I know who I am and I know what I'm living for. He says this, it's in Christ. When you're standing in Christ that you find out who we are and what we're living for. And then he goes on to say this. Watch this. Look in your notes. He says this, I pray the eyes of your heart would be opened. I love that. Because you know what he's saying? There's a difference between your physical eyes and your spiritual eyes. You know what Paul is saying? He's saying this. Sight is what you see when you have your eyes open. But there's another word, vision. God wants to give you vision. Vision is what you see when your eyes are closed. In other words, what Paul is saying is simply this, that God is bigger than what you could see with your own eyes. I know all you may see are problems. You may see financial setbacks. You may be looking at a bad doctor's report. You may be looking at relationship issues. Your kids may be acting out. But God says this, if you'll just close your eyes and realize you are standing in Christ. Oh man, I feel this this morning. All of a sudden, I'm going to give you a vision that is bigger than what you could see with your eyes. It is a spiritual outlook that God is bigger and better and you can overcome anything number three write this down this is a prayer that Paul Paul's about to pray and and it's a prayer he's about to pray for the church in Ephesus and I think it's a good prayer for us as well number three write this down is it's a point that I have and it's simply this is that I think that there are more people praying for you this Mother's Day than you can ever think of or imagine Paul prays this prayer for the church in Ephesus. And he prays for them all the way in Rome. In other words, they were in Ephesus. He was thousands of miles away in Rome. How many of you know they didn't know he was praying for them? Which makes me wonder today, how many people are praying for you that you don't even know are praying for you? Like, I just want to encourage somebody. You may be here today and you may feel like nobody cares, nobody understands. Nobody's praying for me, Pastor. I don't even have any Christians in my home. But you would be surprised how many people that God already has in your life. Because how many know God's got people everywhere? There's people in your job that you don't even know they're a Christian, but they, God has put you on their heart. They're like 10 cubicles over to the left and three cubicles deep, but God showed you them, uh, showed you to them in the elevator and God said, I want you to pray for them and I want you to pray for their kids and people are praying for you and you don't even know. I thank God that there are people praying for me that I don't even know who are praying for me. Paul says this. God wants to lavish you not only just with blessings, but with prayers. Look what he goes on to say. He says this, every time I prayed, I'd think of you and give thanks for you. 
Now let me pause here for a moment. I want to live that kind of life that when people think of me, they're thankful for me. How many of you want to be that way? How many of you want to be someone that when people think of you, they just want to curse you? Come on, somebody. No, nobody. Oh, tricked a few of you. Come on. You're like, amen. Oh. <laughs> um, I'm so thankful that, that we have the ability to live this life that when people think of you, do you know what? They could give thanks to God for you. Paul says this. I love the church in Ephesus so much. Every time I think of them, I'm thankful. In other words, what he's saying is this. Every time people think of Brave Church, they should be thankful for Brave Church. I wonder if Brave Church is the kind of church that when people think of us, they're thankful for us. I wonder if today there, there might be some homeless people underneath the bridge in Miami that because of our serve teams that went out this weekend and they brought food and they brought blankets and they brought resources. I wonder if there are some homeless people today that when they woke up this morning and they prayed, they said, God, thank you for a church in Westchester in Kendall that because of them, I've got food in my belly today and I'm resourced for another day. I want us to be a church, brave church, that when people think about us, they're thankful for us. He goes on to say this, but I do more than thank God. I ask God, our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory to make you intelligent, discerning and knowing him personally, that your eyes would be focused and clear so that you would see exactly what he is calling you to do. In other words, what he's saying is this, write this down in your notes. I pray that you understand your calling. Did you know that you have a calling in your life? But he's not talking about just your personal calling. Paul is saying this, we as a church have a calling together. That we as a church, we should be known as a church that is kind, that is compassionate, that loves the outcasts. Come on, somebody. That we as a church should be known that we have a calling. But can I tell you something? God doesn't just want you to know the calling for your life personally, but he wants you to know what your calling is as you're a part of Brave Church. Did you know that every person in this room, you are a part of the body? And Paul goes on to tell us that as a part of the body, we need everyone to find their calling in Brave Church. Let me say this. I find that there are people that discover their purpose in life when they begin to get involved at Brave Church and they begin to serve at Brave Church, and they begin to give their life to the purpose and the calling of Brave Church, you know what happens? God begins to reveal personal callings when they find their general calling. Someone finds and they're like, man, I never knew that I could have been a, I was a great youth leader. And as they found their calling as a youth leader at Brave Church, all of a sudden they walked into their personal calling. They were part of the worship team and they realized their personal, they were holding a door. They were in the parking lot. Can I tell you, your personal calling is called and it is tied to what God is doing here at Brave Church. Let me just say it like this. If Brave Church is your church, before you'll ever discover your complete personal calling, God's wanting to know, will you join the calling that I've given my people together as a Brave Church? Because did you know we are stronger together than we are separate? We're better together. Come on. We are better together. Paul goes on. He says, before you know your personal calling, you should know your general calling. Then in verse number 18, he says this, grab the immensity of his glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, 
boundless strength. I love that phrase right there. Endless energy and boundless strength. Number four, write this down in your notes. What is Paul saying? I want you to grab the immensity of this glorious way of life. He says this, I want you to live the glorious life. What does that mean, pastor? What does it mean, a glorious life? It means this, that you can leave here today with endless energy and balanced strength. Endless energy and balanced strength. Come on, are you with me, 12 o'clock? I don't know, when I, I read that endless energy, it makes me think, man, I just need a nap. Anybody just need a nap sometimes? Like I'm drinking four coffees a day. Red Bulls, endless energy. He goes this, when you learn to, he says, when you learn to live the glorious life, I'm going to fill you with endless energy and a strength that knows no bounds. What's he talking about, pastor? This is so important. I'm glad in Ephesians chapter one, he said this. He's saying this, I'm not talking about the exterior, but the interior. He's saying this, that God wants to do something on the inside of you that is bigger than what you can see on the outside. What he's saying is this, you may look strong on the inside, but you're weak on the inside, but you can look weak on the outside and you can be filled with endless energy and boundless strength. I know people that are in this room right now that are going through hell on earth, but they have endless energy and boundless strength. I know people that are a part of Brave Church that they are going through some of the biggest storms in their life, but they came to church today with their hands lifted up and they're praising God. Why? Because there's something on the inside that is bigger than what is happening on the outside. I just wonder, is there anybody here today that would say, I want God to make my inside so much bigger than the storm that's on the outside. Come on, somebody give God a shout of praise in this place today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, we need to stir the atmosphere in this room because here's what you need to know on this Mother's Day. Is that in our culture, we so, so much of the time, all of our focus is on the outside appearance. So what is Paul saying? Don't go to the gym? No, go to the gym. Don't be vegan? No, be vegan. Maybe, I don't know. But no, be vegan. Whatever. Eat healthy. Take care of your body. But what Paul is saying is this. All the effort you put on the outside you better make sure you're putting so much more effort on the inside because it's the inner man. It's the inner person. It's the inner woman that's going to sustain you when life throws a curveball at you. When you're going through a storm, your house won't save you. Your jet ski won't save you. Your bank account. But when you're standing in Christ, you can say, I don't know what's going to happen, but I've got strength on the inside. Yeah. Come on, come on. I got to get through this. And here's what he says. He says this. You don't just have to have this for yourself, but you can have this for your family, for your kids, for your business. 
Come on, you don't have to live life just wanting vacation to vacation, living paycheck to paycheck, living from weekend to weekend, and just trying to get through the week. No, no, no. Paul says this, you can live a life of glorious living, endless, endless energy, and boundless strength, which means this, you can live from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from grace to grace. I don't deserve his grace. This grace is not deservable. It is free. It is something you can have. It is something that you can live in, but only if you will stand in Christ. Can I just tell you, church, listen to me. This is not something that is a self-help that you'll find in an aisle at Barnes & Noble. The latest Instagram self-motivational tweet and quote, those are great, but this is not, you won't find it there. You will never find endless energy and boundless strength in a relationship. You won't find it in a man. You won't find it in a woman. Jesus says this through Paul. He says the only way to live your in life, come on, your best life is to stand in Christ. My question for you today, have you found your position in Christ? Is Christ the center of your life? Because if he's not, you will get distracted. It's amazing that I find people sometimes that, that even have gone through brave life at times, and man, they get so focused and so fired up for God. But if you just take God out of the center of your life a little bit, it's amazing how all of a sudden all these destructive things and bad decisions and bad dating choices and bad things like that will all of a sudden come into your life and steal and try to take away everything that God has done to build. Can I tell you, that's why I love our community of faith because you need to be around people that love you enough to tell you the truth. They say, hey, you know what? Don't forget how God blessed you when you were centered in Christ and grounded in Christ. And then Paul tells us this fifth thing. It's the final thing. And I love this. It's an encouraging note as he ends chapter one. And he says this, hey, church, brave church, don't forget that Jesus is over everything. And Jesus is over everyone. And Jesus is over everywhere. I'm so thankful that Jesus is over every good day and he's also over every bad day. I'm so thankful that he is over my friends and he is greater than my enemies. Oh, I'm so thankful that he is over the things I can't see and the enemy that I can't. Is anybody here thankful that Jesus Christ is over everything, everyone, and everywhere? Look what he goes on to say. He's over the universe. Everything from the galaxies to the governments. I love that because that tells me the same hands that formed the galaxies also formed your calling and purpose. There's no name that is greater. There's no power that's exempt from God's rule, which tells me this. It doesn't matter who's sitting in the White House seat. Jesus says, I'm sitting next to God in heaven on the throne. I'm greater than anything. In other words, what he's saying is this. Don't get worked up and all stressed and anxious. I'm over it all. I'm over it all. And not just for right now, but forever. I love this. He's in charge of it all. God has the final word on everything. And at the center of all of this, Christ rules the church. He ends chapter 1 telling us how to infiltrate a city and make a difference in a city like Miami. And he tells us this. Go be the church wherever you go. In other words, if you are in a park, now the church is in the park. Because how many of you know the church is not this building, but it is us. We are the church. You are the church. Come on, turn to somebody and say, you're the church. If you go to a coffee shop, guess what? We have a church in the coffee shop. 
You go to work tomorrow, guess what? Church just showed up at work. Students, you go to school, you go to university, guess what? The church just showed up at university. And when you go into your world, all of a sudden, the church shows up in the darkest places that you can ever imagine. I love this series. I'm so excited for the next five weeks. Let me tell you something. Chapter 2, verse 8, one of my favorite verses. Next week, I'm going to share it with you. Read chapter 2. Then chapter 3 and 4, or 3 and 5, talk about marriage and relationships. We're going to go there. It's going to be awesome. And then in chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God. And he tells us how to win the war in this world. I'm going to give you five steps of how you can win any war, in any battle, in any opposition that you'll ever face. It is going to be amazing. Bring somebody with you to this series. Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me today? Maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor David, today I need to give my life to Jesus. I'm not standing in Christ because I haven't surrendered my life to Jesus. And today is that day where you need to cross the line of faith and say yes to Jesus. Or maybe you're here and you say, you know what, I prayed that prayer at one time, but I've walked away from it and I need to re-surrender my life to Jesus. All across this room with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you for anything in the world, but you would say, Pastor David, today I need to put Jesus at the center of my life. I want my life to be blessed. I want to live for him. I want Jesus to forgive me of all of my mess-ups and mishaps. I want to be saved today. If that's you, all I'm going to ask you to do is on the count of three to lift your hand and put it right back down. That's all I'm going to ask you to do, and I'm going to pray a prayer with you. So if that's you today, Pastor David, I want Jesus to be the center of my life. One, two, three. Come on, would you lift your hand right now? Yeah, so many. Yeah, so many, so many. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, can we all pray this prayer out loud? Can we say, Jesus? Come on, every person in this room, whether you raise your hand or not, say, Jesus, today I want to thank you for loving me. And today I ask you to forgive me of every sin. I say yes to you. I surrender my life to you. Be the Lord and the Savior of my life. And I thank you for salvation. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Church, can we stand to our feet? Come on, can we give God a shout of praise for what he's doing in our lives today? Thanks for joining us for today's message from Brave Church. For more information or to get in touch with us, visit us at bravemiami.com.